Hey, it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Last week, we talked about the first place that God wants you to be is at peace. God wants you to live in peace. And if you missed it, our cornerstone scripture for that uh, last week was Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Uh, today, we're going to be, if you have your Bibles, you can open to Matthew chapter 7. And we'll be in Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 7 through 11. And as you go there, um, I just want to say, if you missed that message last week on where God wants you to be and, and to be at peace, that message is up. You can find it. And uh, it, it would be a great prequel prequel for this. And so then... Uh, remember this, as we look at Matthew chapter seven in Matthew chapter six, uh, Jesus teaches us how to pray, right? And here in Matthew seven, Jesus speaks of prayer being the way, the way to what we need, especially as we follow the principles that he's given us. But we can't forget in this prayer and where God wants us to be is ultimately in his will for our lives, both as individuals and as a people. And so that's why in Matthew chapter six, we pray, Lord, your kingdom come your will be done. I just prayed that this morning before worship. And so then, as we jump into Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, I want you to receive this like a father to a son. Not that I'm sitting in that seat because these aren't my words. This is Jesus and this is Jesus speaking. But I want you to, to understand this and get this as instruction for you from your dad. From your dad. This is what he, this is what he leaves to us, right? And so he says this. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened, it will be opened. Or what person is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf of bread, will give him a stone? Not many dads do that, right? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake. Will he? So, if you, despite being sinful, we're all sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? And for kicks, because it's the cornerstone scripture of our church, verse 12 says, Therefore, in everything, treat people the same way that you want to be treated, because this fulfills the law. Amen? So, Matthew 7, 7 can be summed up in three words, right? Ask, seek, knock. Ask, seek, knock. And we've kind of played this out through our uh, religious history or our background or, and, and, or how we grew up. Okay, And so I want you this morning to wipe all that away. I know that you can't really erase it, but let's pretend this is the first time that you're hearing this. Okay, And so ask. We're going to start with the first, the first word. One word, ask. It means pray. Pray. Pray often. Pray with sincerity. Pray with seriousness. Pray. <laughs> pray again. And then pray again and be diligent in your prayer and be earnest in your prayer and be consistent in your prayer because prayer is how we inquire to God, right? This is how we inquire of God. Ask represents your wants and it presents your burdens to God, meaning you get to refer yourself. You refer yourselves to him for support and supply according to the promises that he has given you. We ask to know the way. We ask to know God's way. We ask to know God's will. That's why we ask. Two, seek. 
Seek means to search for something of value. Search for something that you lost. How many of you have ever lost your cell phones or misplaced it, right? When you lose something of value, I remember one time we thought that Cass was lost. Freaky crazy. He wasn't. He just ain't listening, right? And so then, but if you lose your phone, let's back it up and let's not get so intense. If you lose your phone, it is like everything stops on hold. Have you seen my phone? Where's my phone? I'll you know, kind of tell on Heather a little bit here. She misplaces her phone and doesn't misplace it. She just forgets where she left it, right? See, my phone's in the back. Hey, will you call my phone? See if I can hear it. It's on silence, so she's not going to hear it, but, you know, whatever. You call my phone, and, and to seek means to search for something of value or something that's lost, right? We seek first by prayer, right? It's Matthew 6.33. What's, what's great about Matthew 7.7 uh, 7 and Matthew 6.33 is this is kind of the seek sandwich that we call it. And in Matthew 6.33, we're told, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first God's will, right? And all these things will be added to you. And so then we also see this in, in Daniel 9.3. Turn your attention to the Lord, to the Lord God, to implore him through prayer and request. Turn your attention, seek. And then in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, trust the Lord with all your heart instead of yourself. Okay, that's pretty good. Seek God. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you where to go. Isn't that what we're talking about today? Where God wants you to be? Seek his will. Seek starts with Matthew 6, 33. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you where to go. What I want you to see this morning is seeking represents submission of yourself and allows God to work in your life. If we never seek, we never invite God in, right? Because I can ask all day long, but man, when I seek, that says I can't do this on my own, right? And so then seeking represents a submission of yourself and it allows God to work in your life. Seeking merges your will and God's will together. Then when we pray what we're taught in Matthew 6, Man, things really come to life for us. And so when we're seeking, what seeking does, it takes shelving our pride to seek the greater good so that we can have better, both in our good and our bad, in our circumstance and in our wants, right? And we do this because we trust that God wants more for us and he wants more for us than we want for ourselves. And that's really hard to to comprehend sometimes. The third word is knock. Knock means there's a desire to enter, to come into, right? We knock. We don't knock on a door unless we want in, period, right? And so then it's always good. Here's the good thing. It's always good to be welcomed in the house. When Wyatt comes over, he, he doesn't knock, and we don't require him to knock because he's welcome. He knows it. He looks, he looks and sees somebody in the house. And it's like, yeah, and it's in. He's in, Right? And so then it's always good to be welcomed in the house, but that's why we first knock. Why didn't just start walking in the house? We admitted him, right? We admitted him. And this is what God does for us. When we knock, God always answers. He always welcomes us and he always admits us. What's admit mean? He allows us to enter. It's like being admitted to the hospital. Okay, you, yeah, yep, yep. You need help. You need help. Come on in, right? And so then when we knock, we enter God's love. God's favor and God's presence. We enter only because we knock, right? Here's what, here's why we have to knock. We knock because sin has closed the door, 
Since closed the door, the door's been shut. Some people would say it's like got 16 different different doors or bars across it and it's padlocked and deadbolted, and it's not. It's not. There's just been a disconnect because we're imperfect people who need a perfect Savior, right? And so then, because the door's been shut, through prayer, we knock. And we say, Lord, Lord, please, please let us in. And God knocks at, the door of, God knocks at our door, and He allows us to knock at his door. This is favor that non-believers do not have. Seeking and knocking implies something totally different than asking. It all starts with asking because it's how we come to God in prayer. We're instructed to keep asking and to keep seeking and to keep knocking. And that's great. And anyone can ask. A lot of us ask. A lot of us ask, especially, especially when we're alone. But when we seek, We shelf our will for his, and when we knock, we enter his presence. I said God knocks at our door, and he allows us to knock at his. Revelations 3.20 says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with them. Come on. What's that? It's community. It's fellowship. We dine together. What's that mean? That means we're together. That means we're together. It confirms that we are one with God. This is First Corinthians. The, Revelations three twenty confirms what is told to us in First Corinthians six seven. But he who is joined to the Lord, but she who is joined to the Lord, becomes one spirit with him. So, see if you can follow me on this. If you're taking notes, this is good. So then, my trust in God leads me to ask. Asking encourages me to seek your will, not my will. Seeking is what causes me to want to knock. Seeked your will, not mine. Now I'm in the presence of God. And then knocking, when we knock and we actually sit with God and he dines with us, we know his ways. We know his ways and we know his will. And that's all, that's all because of consistency in our relationship It's our relationship with God, with our Heavenly Father. And so then when you know His ways, you'll trust the path that He has for you. You'll trust the path that He has for you. Psalms 37 this week, this is really good medicine. This is the contemporary English version I'm going to read. And it's just 37, 3 through 6. But if you need some good medicine right now because of just the week that we've had, go read Psalms 37 this week. Read Psalms 37 today. If you want homework, read it today. But here's what Psalms 37, 3 through 6 says. It says, Trust the Lord and live right. The land will be yours and you will be safe. Take delight. Let's take delight. Ask, seek, knock. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Let the Lord lead you and trust him to help you. Then he will make your righteousness shine like noonday sun. Come on, noonday sun. Everybody knows what we're talking about there. You have all been, especially in the fall, isn't it crazy how the sun in the fall is just so clear? The skies are blue, the leaves are changing, and the sun just comes down, especially when it's reflecting off water, right? He will cause, he will make your righteousness shine like the noonday sun, okay? Now, it's the first half. Here we go. Second half, note takers, I hope you're ready. Let's discuss how this guides, how how asking, seeking, and knocking, how does this guide you to where God wants you to be? How does this guide us today? 
And so today you need to know this. This is, this is the next step. God's will for your life is not comfort. It is character. God's will for your life is Christ-like character. God wants to know you more, and he wants your relationship with him to grow. This means, this means we are all a work in progress, right? We don't magically arrive one day to, to character. What is that? Because character is ever growing, right? Our spiritual growth is gradual. You should write that down. Growth is gradual. That means we uh, never max out. And the moment that we believe we know it all is the moment that we start that slow, steady descent, right? And so then... With scripture, I believe that we never fully comprehend any single scripture, no matter how many times we read it. I believe that the depth of God's word is greater than we can understand. And I think that's why um, you can read the same scripture over and over and over. And you know that it says the same thing. And the moment that you get sick and tired of that scripture and you say, yeah, yeah, I know what that means. That's, that's when that scripture can't speak to you anymore, right? But when you read the scripture and it continues to read differently, the more that you have been transformed by it, the more that you've matured in Christ, that's how God speaks to you in your circumstance. And so the only way that that scripture stops speaking to you is if you've gotten comfortable, right? And God's will for your life is not comfort, it's for character development. So then some of the stuff you go through, you go through for that development, right? I'll talk about that a little bit next week. And so then, it's how God speaks to us in our circumstance. It's the living words, the living Bible. God uses his word and those around you to bring you along, to bring you along. This is why we call it, that's what's called leading the way, right? This is to help you develop. This is to help you grow closer to him in your relationship. This is to help you build your trust in him. This is so you can know his will for your life. So you can know where he wants you to be. So you can shine like the noonday sun and be right in that groove where he wants you, right? God's goal for you is to never stop growing. His hope is that you would never stop learning, that you would constantly live as an example of him, and that you would lead others to do the same. This is how we become more like Christ. Learn, live, and lead. This is also our discipleship strategy. Don't let that word freak you out. It's just discipleship, okay? That's we're all called to be disciples, to be followers, right? And so then if you look at this, this is this is the first step, learning. It says, it says God's goal would be for you to never stop learning. We, we need to learn of and who God the Father, Jesus the Son, and His Spirit, the Holy Spirit is. This means we have to move what we know in our head and get it out of our head. And into our heart, we believe it without a doubt so we can make it to our hands and our feet. We never stop learning as disciples of Jesus. The next thing is that you would live. You would live constantly as an example, right? That you would live for him. What does that mean? That means following through with the three baptisms. Baptism in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That you would follow through in those three baptisms and that you would start to engage spiritually every day. We call those daily disciplines. They're kind of those, 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 old, ter- those old terms that kind of turn, turn some people away. But that's it. It's being consistent and diligent to take time and meet with God every single day. Why? Because then our actions align with our words and our values become who we are. And so then it is who we are that makes the difference. And you see who we are in actions. I don't just sit back on a, on a couch behind a screen and let you know what 
to do or who I am or what to say. You see it in who I am. We live as examples. And then to lead like him, to lead like Jesus. This means to bring others along, to bring others along. And, and so then we do this in, in several ways, but essentially this, it is relationships. It is those one-on-one relationships. It's those group, it's those groups that we have, our circle of friends, right? To bring others along. So once they see it in you, they start to ask questions. You don't have to push it on to them, which allows us to, to pass it on because relationship is greater than rules. A relationship is greater than any routine, is greater than any religion. It's a relationship. It is a real relationship with God. That's why, that's why we say, or that's why our whole mission is to lead people to live in real relationships with God. How do we do that? Learn, live, and lead. And, and so then as we lead, we're passing on. How do we pass it on? We love. We love. Love your neighbors. You love yourself. We value people more than we value our opinion. We value people more than we value our opinion. We love people like we love us, right? This is what it means to live in real relationships. It's Matthew 22, 37 through 40, if you want to look that up. Okay. Where do we see this in the Bible, though? Outside of that cornerstone scripture that I've said, you know, probably 2,000 times in the last 45 weeks. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. Let's take a look. Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. We'll take a look. When we speak the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its portion. What is that? That's unity. That is unity. Each part does its portion. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament and tendon and muscle and organ and bone and tissue and system, builds itself up in love as each of those things does its part. That's unity, working together, right? Earlier we talked about the old way having to go and how we needed more. We didn't need more people in church. We needed we needed church in more people. We need a church and people, right? And so the old way has to go. What does this mean? The old way is this head knowledge, head knowledge, moments with no impact, believing in my head and sitting on the couch and just trusting that, that my neighbor believes the same thing, right? The old way of church, if we're talking capital C church is this, build it and they will become, market the heck out of it, push it, go out and, and canvas and flood the streets, just build it and they will come. And the way that the church gauges momentum is numbers. How many people? How many people? Capital C Church looks at metrics, metrics, the dashboard, and we judge based off of what this spreadsheet says if we're successful. And that way doesn't work anymore. And there are a lot of older people, a lot of people, period, in the Capital C Church that believe that's the only way. And the reality is, is this old way doesn't connect anybody to God. It has to be near perfect, near perfect. But we can create a lot of stuff for you to do with the old way, okay? And my goal for you is not for you to be busy. My goal, I believe, as a pastor is, is, is and should be the same as God. For you not to be comfortable to come and find the same seat every week and the same cup of free coffee and to sit in the same place and to be disengaged and talking or, or whatever, 
And if you get up and leave the same, if you leave the same, I fail. And the Bible says I'm held at a higher responsibility because I, because I do this. But I also believe I'm called to do this because, because this is needed, right? And so then I don't want you to be comfortable. And I know that I pose some challenges on you. And I know that I push you a little bit, but that's for you, for you to grow, right? That's so you'll become a better follower. And so then the original church is build them and they will become, you saw it on the, on the bottom. Uh, yeah, yeah, I just, I just botched that. Okay. The old way of church is build it and they will come build it and they will come. The original church and the why of our hearts, the reason that we exist is to build them and they will become. And so this is measured. Momentum is measured here by strength. The strength of the individual. We're only as strong as our weakest link, right? And so how do we gauge that? There's not a dashboard to gauge. We look at individuals. We look at the individual who's watching, who's emailing, who's hopefully interacting with us in this certain season. And we look at that individual and we see, are they becoming? Are they growing in their relationship? If so, we're doing the right thing. We're winning. Well, how many did you have? Doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Are the who's that we have moving forward in their faith, are they growing? Right? And so because I clouded all that up there, the old way of church is build it and they will become the new, the new way, which is the original way, the original way. We have to get back to this or redefine it. The original church is build them and they will become its discipleship. It's discipleship. So then, okay, great, Dusty. So then if we're going to get to that build them and they will become model, how do we do it? How do we do it? How do we grow in our relationship? How do we grow in our relationship? If you're measuring that, if that's what we should be measuring as pastors in churches across the world, then how do we do that? And if you're a note taker, it takes three things. If you're a note taker today, there's three things. You need to believe, belong, and become. Believe, belong, and become. Your spiritual growth is gradual. Remember, we wrote that down. So then there's no marks on the wall to say, well, well, two weeks ago you were here, and now you're here. That doesn't exist because spiritual growth is something that happens inside of you, and you see your maturity through you. People see it through you. Learning, living, and leading, right? Not saying, heard that, okay? And so then, believe means this. Three things. Believe, belong, become. Believe is a love and a trust in God. A love and a trust in God. This starts with worship. Into the gates with thanksgiving and praise. And praise. In worship, you focus on Him. His goodness, His faithfulness, His grace, and His mercy. And those are new every day. And so then we need to engage Every day we wake up, Psalms, man, this is a day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and I will be glad. I will celebrate it with a thankful heart, with a thankful heart. November, right? With a thankful heart. Belong, belong is to commit to the cause, to be part of the body, to be part of the body. Now you could say, well, I go to 17 churches. You need to be part of a church and a church body. 
And it's really tough with what we're doing right now in our circumstance and us being 10 weeks old and preview services for us to have a ton of things to, to do right now. This is why regroups are so important to be involved and engaged with a group of like-minded people because you need to belong. Belonging, belonging is a huge part of your development. Belonging is not about a feeling. It's not about a convenience. It's not about a box. It's about being part of a group. It's about being part of the cause. It's about committing to that cause, right? Number three, become, become. This is what we've talked about thus far. Becoming like Jesus, building that character, getting out of our comfort zone and building some character, right? How do we become? Never stop learning. Live for God and lead, lead like him, which also leads. How do we lead? We love others as we love ourselves, but that doesn't come with a knowledge that we move from our head to our heart and from our heart to our hands and our feet. So then you believe through worship, you belong through fellowship, community, you belong through community with like-minded believers. That's why we're praying for like-minded people right now. And you become through discipleship, you become, build them and they will become. You become through discipleship. Growth is gradual. So then when you accept Jesus as your Savior, next step, when you accept Jesus as your Savior, this is John 112 and Ephesians 1.5. It has been just weaved through this series. When you accept Jesus, what happens is God calls you his children and he calls us the church, the church. You see this in 1 Timothy 3.15. It says this, it says, if I should be delayed, I have written so that you will know how people ought to act in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of truth. The church is not an institution. The church is not an organization. The church is a community of faith. It's a body of believers. The church is a family. The church is a family. That makes us brothers and sisters. That makes us brothers and sisters. So then what we see is God desires for us believers, those in the community of faith, to be knit together as brothers and sisters. And because we are, we are members of one another and part of his body, knit together meaning unity, part of his body being one, one, the church. You see this in Romans 12, 15. It says, we who are many are one body, the church, and individually members of one another. And in Colossians 2.19, we learn that Jesus has empowered us to lead. It says right here that we are not connected to Christ, the head of the church, but we are the whole body and completely supported and nourished by the body, its ligaments and tendons, and that we grow as God causes us, the body, to grow. This is a great cross-reference to what we just read in Ephesians 4.15 and 16. We grow as God causes us to to grow. We grow as God causes us to grow. So then, are you nourished? Do you need nourishment? Do you have enough nourishment? Are you hoarding it for a rainy day? Those are the questions I got when I cut when I came out of Colossians 2:19. And I asked that because this God does not just want you to believe. 
Believing is great, but believing doesn't do any good on the couch. Nobody comes home to heaven with us all sitting on the couch. God wants you to belong. He wants you to be connected. We're made to be in community. We're made to live in relationship. That's why God wasted no time when he made Eve. He knew this dude can't be alone, right? Again, that's why regroups are so important. This is why I've been working for months to find a place for us to gather on a regular basis because we need we need community. We need to gather. Why? Why do we need to gather? Because our spiritual family, our church family, the relationships we have with each other are going to last for eternity. They're going to last for eternity. And the church is the place that you find real love, where you can find authentic love. That's why we value uh, authenticity, which is, we, we call it honesty, right? And that's why we like hospitality, because it's only when you walk closely with others who love God in God's family that we can actually know each other more deeply and grow together and love one another the same way that he loves us. The church is like the laboratory where we learn all of our differences and we come together around our commonalities because Jesus is our Savior. And here's the reality. How does God cause us to grow? We talked about in, in, Coloss- in, in Colossians 2.19. Leave us an end. And we grow as God causes the body to grow. How does that happen? The greater the difference, the greater the differences that we have with those we belong with, the greater the opportunity, the greater the potential is for growth in the body. Some churches grow faster than others. Why? Because we understand this. The greater the difference, the greater the difference between us, the greater the opportunity for us to grow. Some people can't get over those differences. Some churches can't get over those differences. And so they stay stuck just like that. God wants growth for you. And that growth only happens when we as individuals grow, when we never stop learning, when we live for Jesus and we lead for others, right? So then, spiritual growth is gradual. It is consistency in how we believe, how we belong, and how we become. Remember, God's goal for you is not comfort. It's not comfort, it's character. It's character. Christ-like character is your destination, Christ-like character is your destination. And the path you're on is going to last your lifetime. It's going to last your lifetime, not somebody beside you. And so then you can look around and you can enjoy the scenery and you can rest in a moment and you can set a good pace because the character that you're developing and you're growing in is not the same as somebody else's. And the obstacles and the roadblocks and the, and the, and the U-turns and the, and the Michigan lefts that you have to face are not going to be the same as the person next to you. The path you're on is going to last a long time, or it's going to last a lifetime, which is a long time. And so then you have to understand that you're not going to get there any quicker than somebody else. It's personal. Your path is personal. Your development is personal. Your character is personal. It's personal to you. It's how God made you. So then we can't compare it to others. We can't compare it to others, but here's what's good. You can lead others with it. You can bring others along by sharing your experiences, by sharing what God's done in you and through you, what God's revealed to you. So then your path to spiritual growth involves believing in Jesus and worshiping him. And not just believing, but belonging to a body of believers so we can become like Jesus every day. This is Colossians 3.10. 
You have begun to live the new life in which you are being made new and are becoming like the one who made you every day. Some versions say becoming, some say maturing, some say growing, but either way we're learning every day and becoming more like, more like the one who saved us. So then we read that scripture and we think about comparison and we don't realize that this is a lifelong path that we're on. And we say, how fast can I get this done? You think I can do this in two weeks? You think I can get this done in four weeks? And, and it's easy to be obsessed with speed and quantity and knowing. Yeah, yeah, I've already read that book. It's real easy to be obsessed with that. But today, God is more interested in strength and stability than he is with swiftness and checklists. The strength of the individual. Build them and they will become. He's more interested in you becoming in your strength and your stability than he is your swiftness and your checklists. Because the reality is this, when we start trying to go fast, when it comes to any type of growth, we want a quick fix and we want it right now, right? We want the shortcut. We want the on the spot solution. We want the sermon. We want the seminar. We want the experience. We want whatever it is that's instantly going to resolve all the problems It's going to take away all the temptation and it's going to release us from all the growing pains because nobody likes growing pains, right? And we want the, the, we want the quick fix because those growing pains tend to be uncomfortable and nobody wants that discomfort. And that's true. But if we go back to God's will for our life, which is not comfort, but Christ's like character, then we understand that real meaningful growth is not the result of a quick fix. It's not the result of a one-time moment. It's not the result of an experience that just blew us away because no matter how powerful or how moving that moment was, that was just, that was just that. And this doesn't, doesn't develop anything. It's a moment. It's a moment. And so then real meaningful growth is never a result of a quick fix or one-time experience, no matter how powerful or moving it is. Growth is gradual Growth is gradual. We see it in 2 Corinthians 3.18. The Bible says this, our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. We become like him. So in closing, where does God want you to be? Where does God want you to be? Growing every day in him, becoming every day in him. In your relationships, as you, as you believe and belong and become, that takes consistency. And the only way you can do that is to be confident and to not grow weary in, in consist, keep seeking, right? Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking back to the first part, right? Because when we do, we have this promise from David in Psalms 91, like I told you when we started. And Psalms 91, 1 and 2 says this. It says, it's because those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find peace and rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare. Only the Lord is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust in Him. When I read Psalms 91, I cannot think anything, but I want to be closer to Him. I want to become more like him. Man, how do I get how do I get like that? I want to know him more. When I read Psalms 91, I'm thankful for the protection and for the safety, 
But to be in the shelter and the shadow, that means I'm close. I want to be more like that. And when you're, where, when you're where God wants you to be, you're going to know His ways, and you're going to trust the path that He has for you, and you're going to become like Him because you seek Him daily. When you're where God wants you to be, you will know His ways, you'll trust the path He has for you, and you'll become like Him as you seek Him daily. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at liveredefine.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.